This podcast is brought to you by Zeno Mueller, three-time Olympian and gold medalist. Imagine a 20-second 2K PR by the end of this season, or even sooner. Elite rowing coach by Zeno Mueller is a competitive advantage. The ERG score is the SAT of rowing, so find out what Zeno Mueller can do for you. Make sure to use coupon 4STARS, F-O-R-S-T-A-R-S, for $200 off on any program he has on his website. Zeno is an Olympian and graduate from Brown University, coached by the legendary Steve Gladstone. He'll get you right, he'll get your 2K down, and he'll be a better athlete after his training. So make sure you tune in with Zeno and get some coaching at EliteRowingCoach.com. Chip talks about watching the the documentary. I, I don't think I can physically watch uh, that Athens win. That 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 one struck a little bit too close to home. On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's going to make you sick. Everyone, welcome to the Four Stars Podcast. We are with the amazing Porter Collins. Porter Collins graduated from Brown University. He's a two-time Olympian, actor, father, good person, great person. I just actually say, Porter, how you doing? I'm great. Good to uh, good to be here. That's awesome. Uh, I'm usually so- talking uh, f- uh, sort of financial podcast. This is my first rowing podcast. Happy to happy to be on. Oh, that makes me happy. But I do want to touch on your financial podcast i actually uh watched it uh at like three o'clock this morning and okay. it really it really got the blood pumping i'm, I'm not gonna lie i really <laughs> i felt like i was there it was a great setup i loved it a lot all and, right um so i i might have to rewatch it and uh look at some of the other episodes that you've made in the back we do have the big short and one of them is a guy i'll do it but, for you hamish linklater yes hamish. A, a solid b uh b-rated actor but super nice guy yeah, and, so, and, so and Dodgers fan like yourself. That's about to say. So uh one of my you know fair movies is 42, Jackie Robinson. Yep. Uh and uh he played Ralph Brackett. And so I was like watching the thing, I was like, this guy looks awfully familiar. I'm like, this has to be who I'm thinking about. And it was. And it was, uh, yeah. so gotta watch it. But anyways, more about that movie and what that means to you. If you could uh, dive deep in that, that'd be great. Yeah, you know, it was uh as you're 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 seeing a video of my my office here. You know, the big short's just another piece uh, in my career, which I'm very uh, proud of. You know, I got my my Henley pictures in the background. I got my uh, world championship medals over here. And, you know, I, I just uh, I'm very blessed to have uh, lived a uh, a pretty successful life and a happy life. Lots of friends around. And uh, it's been uh, just another piece in the in the puzzle, I guess, for in, in my career. I did post a Q&A and people people want to know and hear from you. So. All right, let's I go. Have- we got some questions here, but I do want to dive deep in also your personal uh, experience, you know, before Brown, right? Because mm-hmm. you, were, you were at Salisbury and uh, you were 5C of the, of the eight uh, junior national team leading into Brown. Um, yep. You finished third in 1993, uh, all before I was born. I'm just making you feel, <laughs> I'm making you feel old. Uh, but you grew up in Connecticut, right? In Darien, Connecticut. And so Greenwich Crew is, you know, a big, uh, big, big uh, rowing program out there. What was that like just being an athlete in Connecticut at that time? You know, this is before, uh, obviously before you were born and before Greenwich Crew ever existed, I guess. Uh, and so I, I, uh, I tell 
my uh, my origin story as a very modest beginning. I, I tried in high school. I was a freshman in high school, and I tried out for the golf team, and I got cut. And and uh, sure enough, the crew coach grabbed me by the ear and pulled me down to the uh, boathouse, and that's where I, I began. So it's uh, it starts from uh, modest beginnings, and um, you know, I sort of I fell in love with it quickly, and uh, I figured out I was I was pretty good at it, and. Uh, I had a, I had some great uh, coaches there. Uh, one of the actually uh, a bunch of the coaches had gone to Brown, and so I guess it was only natural for me to to uh, to to uh, follow in their footsteps. You know, it, it was that along with you know when I was a senior in high school, Zeno Mueller uh, was a uh, freshman at Brown, and he had his picture in uh, he had a big. Uh, sort of spotlight on him in sports illustrated. And so I had that on my wall, my, my senior year and, and Brown hadn't won the national championship yet. And, um, you know, they would, you know, were, had sort of gone through their dark, dark years, uh, in the, in the early nineties. And so, uh, I was really excited to, to go to Brown. And then I obviously met Steve Gladstone and, you know, both my mother and I were enamored with Steve and I, uh, that, that's, that was, it was an easy choice for me. So I didn't really want to go anywhere else. He has, done amazing things for rowing and obviously is the most successful uh, collegiate rowing coach in the world in history. I, I don't know if there will ever be a coach like Coach Gladstone. He just retired from Yale. We don't know if he's going to stop coaching. He was uh, coaching the U.S. team this past summer for the uh, world championships. So we'll see. You know, you know one, of the thing, one of the things that people talk about, Steve, is, you know, um, sort of a, a fantastic coach, but, you know, I think one of his greatest strengths is his as a recruiter. And, and someone asked him about his recruiting ability and, and, you know, he, he talked about how he really uh, tried to underwrite and, and recruit the, the, the person. And, you know, if I think of myself, my, my junior or senior year uh, in high school, you know, I walked into a lot of the other boathouses like you know, Harvard and, you know, they, they never returned my, uh, you know, mail or, 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 or number or phone call. Um, you know, the, the moment I met Steve, you know, he, he asked me about my character and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, at that time I really hadn't pulled a, an erg score that was, was decent yet. And, you know, I'd gotten cut from the junior national team, my, my, my junior year. And so, you know, I, you know, he saw something in me that I, I guess I didn't see yet. And so, uh, I think it's that uh, ability as a recruiter uh, that he was really so good. And so, um, you know, I eventually did pull a good Eric score. And that summer I did go on to, you know, the, the junior national team and was one of the, obviously the better guys on, the, on that team. And sort of my, my, my career took off, my rowing career at least took off like a rocket ship after that. So he, uh, he, he, he sort of, he nailed it as a recruiter. So he uh, won the lottery with you. That's for sure. Speaking about the fact that you think that he's the best recruiter of all time, and you know, he's looking at the character and who you are, and not just about you know erg scores. I'm sure that it's definitely a factor. But when he was talking about your character, what was he asking you about? Because when you ask an 18 year old guy about their character, they're probably going to want to tell you, "Oh yes, I uh, you know I I strive to be better every day," like you know those types of things. But but what did he ask you? Funny you ask that. It, it's it was uh, almost it's probably. Uh, a little over 30 years ago now that uh, I went on my recruiting trip and I can still remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, we were sitting there at the head of the Connecticut, all the boats had launched and it was just, he and I sitting there on the, on the boat trailer talking about, you know, who I was and uh, what I wanted to do and, you know, what, what sports I played. I, I played three sports at, at, in high school um, and, 
you know, my academic track record is, you know, I'd gotten better grades every year um, and was really on a sort of a, on an ascent. You know, I, I, I think it was in rowing that I really found my confidence and that confidence translated to, you know, not just rowing, but translated to playing football and playing, you know, other sports and then uh, translated into my grades and it sort of it all, it all mirrored itself in terms of uh, taking a different turn in, in, in my life. And uh, that confidence really gave me, you know, was, was really the shot in the arm that say, Hey, I, I can do this. I can do things. And, and, it, and from there, uh, you know, things just started snowballing and, you know, becoming a uh, learning how to become a leader along the way. Uh, you know, I was, I was captain of, of, you know, two sports in, in high school. I was captain of the, of the, the Brown team for two years. And, and so, you know, becoming a leader. And then, you know, I think I, I like to think I was a leader on those, uh, those national team boats and just putting myself in those shoes and, and being a person, you know, who teammates could trust and work hard. And, and, you know, those same principles followed me from not only, you know, to the, from the classroom, to the, to the water, but to eventually to, you know, when I had to get a job and work on a team. And, and I think that's, kind of one of the reasons I, w- I was so successful with, um, you know, in, in the, in the working world, it was, you know, life off the water was pretty easy for me, right. In terms of, you know, I already knew how to work hard. I, I knew how to assimilate with the team and I knew how to, you know, find where I was going. And so th- those, those, all those same principles stuck with me from, from rowing. So rowing weeds out the week, right. You know, it, it uh, you know, if you're a survivor and you can, you can deal with all that stuff, you know, that's why, you know, I, I found when I went to the national team, you know, all the guys that are even in college, they, you know, the, all the guys were like me and they all fought like me and they all trained like I did and, and, uh, they all had a similar way of life. And so, you know, it was, there, there's some really fantastic years of, uh, of training with those guys. So, you know, and, and listen, the, the things about failure are true. You know, we all fail. It's just about how we respond to that. And, you know, I think a long time ago, a, a coach, always said, you know, you, you want to, you know, you want to train like the guy that you, you hate to race against. Right. And, and I used to do that. You know, I, I would do this 20 minute erg before practice every day when I got to Brown. And, uh, one day I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to go for this. And so it's like some of my, my fall, my freshman year. And, and I break, uh, I break 20 minutes for, uh, I break, sorry, yeah. Uh, I break six K for, for 20 minutes. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I was so excited. I go down, Scott, Scott, I, Scott Roop. Uh, I, I just broke this, uh, you know, the, the, this time. And he's like, yeah, it's great. Uh, port hop in the boat. And, and so sure enough, it's a, uh, you know, three, four hour workout. And then followed by, you know, uh, we call them bear bars, but those are uh, sort of off the water um, uh, circuits we do. So, you know, we're out there for training for, you know, between three and five hours a day. And then, you know, we would sit there for all freshman fall. We would sit in, in eights. And row by sixes, even even boats, and just you know battle against each other for for hours. And so it's that sort of lunch pail mentality that I I always brought and uh, I always rode with. And and uh, you know I think that's one of the reasons I was so successful as a rower. You know I I wasn't necessarily the the biggest guy. I was you know six five, but I was I was kind of scrawny, and um, you know I rode fine, but I wasn't you know I, I wasn't you know, a beautiful technical rower. I was just dogged. And so, you know, if all else fails, just pull hard. Right. So that, 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 that's, that was always my motto.
I like that bottle right there. There's a lot of great models in this sport we call rowing. What is your favorite rowing motto that you've uh, heard or try to portray every day? I don't know if I have a uh, a motto, but you know, if I had a, a mantra to live by, I guess you know it's sort of the it's sort of the get after it, you know, um, you know, attack the day. That 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 that's what I that's what I do. I get up every morning and and whether it's uh, whether I'm rowing or whether I'm trading stocks, you know, I, I'm into it. And or or if I'm being a dad or if I'm being a coach, uh, you know, you you just sort of got to get after it. And so that's uh, and sometimes you fail, like you said, but you know, it's you got to pick yourself back up and and try again. And so that's uh, that, that's the, my mantra, I guess. Now, when you say you were cut from the golf team, was it the tryouts? That was the the part that. Oh, I think we played like three rounds, and I sucked, and or <laughs> I didn't suck, but I, I I was not not good enough to make the golf team, uh, and uh, that was about it. I don't think it was any in depth, uh, in depth situation. Okay, I see what you mean. Uh, going to Brown, you're you're there, you're a freshman there, and I talked to Zeno about this actually, and I said, Zeno, what have you, what haven't you heard about? You know, that's been talked about on my show, and he says. You haven't talked about when the athletes go from high school to college and they're living in college and they're and they're there with no parents and they're in these dorms with, with all these strangers that they meet on the first day of school. At Brown, when you got there, were you with your teammates? And if you weren't with your teammates, how did you make sure your uh, you know dorm, dorm mate was understanding that you had to be up at the crack of dawn to practice every day? I had gone to boarding school. So, you know, the, the, the living alone was, uh, it was not a big deal for me once I got to college. I was, you know, again, it was all pretty easy. Um, I lived with a, uh, um, uh, this guy, Jeb Besser and who's, who's, uh, still the hardest rowing, uh, guy I know, but he, he wasn't a recruit and he was a complete walk on and wrote at nobles. And I think, I think he'll, he'll admit he rode probably in the last boat at nobles and, uh, for better part of three years at Brown, he was in the last boat at, at Brown. And, um, you know, he, but he, no one worked harder than Jebber and, uh, you know, Jebber keeps at it. And I, I believe he won the head of Charles this year and he wins pretty much every year. So, uh, it, again, it's, it's, you know, I, I surrounded myself with people who were just determined to, to win and, and, and to show up and, you know, you go to Brown and people don't really care if you're a rower or not a rower or a hockey player or whatever. I, I, they're just sort of, all the same, or at least that's the way, I, the way it was when I was there. So someone did ask you, does the number five haunt you at all? Not really. You know, I, again, like, uh, I, I could, I could feel sorry for myself that, that, uh, you know, I got two fifth place finishes in the Olympics, or I could feel, uh, really proud about, you know, from where I started to where I finished. And I, I chose to take that route and, you know, if I, there's a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas and a lot of oh, pours me type situations, I, I, I could have, I could have gone down, but I never went down that one. And, you know, as evidenced by my, you know, my real career after rowing, you know, I, I was ready to get after it and I was ready for the next stage of my life and to figure out what it was and to figure out my path and, you know, how, how to best get from A to B. And I'd, I'd done that before in a previous life and got from A to B pretty successfully. And, it, you know, it might not have, been punctuated the like the way I wanted to, but, uh, you know, that's not the way life works. And, it's, it, you know, a lot of times it's not fair. And so, you know, we didn't, we didn't race our, we weren't our, we weren't our fastest, uh, in, in 2000, you know, as the, as the movie shows, 
there's a lot of bad stuff going on. We weren't, we weren't, we just weren't fast at the, at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I think that in 96, I, I probably had a better shot of winning a medal. We had won the, won the heats and beat the Germans, uh, who eventually won the silver medal. Uh, I think we beat them by, uh, a length in, in the heats. And in the final of the 96 Olympics, we just had a bad start and we, we got a, we got sort of a length down to the field, you know, in the first 200 meters and could never really catch up, um, sort of spun our wheels a bit, you know, it all goes by so quickly, you know, and that six minute race and you wait, you know, four years to race a six minute race and, and you, and you're, you're down, you're down in the first 40 seconds. And sure enough that those, those meters tick by pretty quickly. So, you know, I guess it, it, uh, you know, teaches you, you know, you really gotta, you know, be ready, uh, being there. I was telling this story to my son the other day, uh, sort of a bit aside, but you know, in, uh, in 96, we were doing these pair trials and, uh, first they did a time, first they did a time trial and, and Ted Murphy and I came in second in the time, time trial and, and Jamie Coven comes up to me and goes, man, Porter, you know, you guys, you guys look so good. I, I don't know if I can, you know, even stick with you guys in, in, in the, uh, in the heat, you know, we're right next to each other. I, you know, just, it's, you're great, you know, just congratulations. And sure enough, he, he totally rope doped me in the, in the heat, you know, where I were lined up and, you know, sort of before the, the word said, go Jamie and, and his pair partner are out of there. I mean, they're, they're like a, a length and a half up on us. And, uh, we, we eventually never caught him, but we, we finished second and, and, you know, he totally rope doped me. He played the mind, mind game of, uh, on me and he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, thankfully I, we, we beat him in the, in the final, but, uh, you know, it just, it, it just one of many life lessons along the way and, and, uh, mind games people play, but, uh, you know, Jamie played him, uh, better than anybody. So by the way, it's Jamie Coven, the, probably the best, well, I guess he's the only living world champion, American world champion in the single, uh, at this point. So I did, I did get to row with, you know, with, uh, Brian Volpenheim and, and, uh, Chris Aaron. So probably the two most famous uh, uh, rowers in our country. So Everyone uh, shows that one clip when he won in 04. He's, he's putting his two hands, these two fingers out, talking to him. Nobody knows what he's saying. Maybe they do. They still want to tell him what he's saying. But uh, you know that clip I'm talking about? I, I, you know, there's some things you just, you can't go to. And Chip talks about watching the, the documentary. I, I don't think I can physically watch uh, that Athens win. That, 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 that one struck a little bit too close to home. <laughs> oh wow so you never watched that rec- like that video before i've seen i've seen a clip or two of it of, of them crossing the finish line but it's it's uh it, that one that one kind of hurts Man. it was katie's katie's Red- redemption race as well as chip and and uh chris and and uh brian so good good for them i'm ha- i'm, I'm I couldn't be happier for them so i talked to Zena a little bit about preparation for the olympics but for your you know you were there twice you were there three times but for you you're there twice and i wanted to know if there's any way that you can enlighten the viewers about what it took to prepare, like not just the the training, but like the the uh, the sleep or the diet or things like that that goes on, you know, behind it all. Well, I think one of the things that I I think um, you know people know about diet and all that type of stuff, and I think one of the things that uh, Mike Spracklin did was he did a lot of visualization and um, talks about uh, you know you you just have the coxswain or, or if you're in, in a non-coxswain boat you know sort of visualize your, your moves visualize your 
your uh, warmups. And so by the time you get there, you're you're really ready and and have a complete sense of uh, what's what's going on. Um, you know, I think one of the 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 things, and and I, I've read books on this, and and in terms of how to try to control um, those your your emotions and the adrenaline going through your body, and you know, it's mostly the adrenaline that you know obviously gives you the butterflies and gives you the upset stomach and gives you the you know, the anxiety, um, and, you know, think about Bob Beeman and his, um, his, uh, world record jump in the 68 Olympics in, in Mexico city, you know, the record that wasn't broken for again, for another, I think it was like 40 or 50 years, you know, to be able to channel yourself in that moment of your, you know, your greatest, um, you know, achievement or greatest, you know, opportunity for achievement. You know, I, I like to think that I, I had, was ready for that race, you know, again, in, in 2000, we just, you know, we had so many changes in the lineups and, and so many things and so much, you know, wear on our, on, on our tires at that point, um, through multiple, uh, injuries and moving around the lineups and, and you know, in and out of the hospital and all these type of things that it just, we weren't fast enough that, so that it wasn't a preparation things. We just weren't, we, again, in two, in 2000, we weren't fast enough. But, you know, again, in, in, you know, 98 or in 95, when Chip talks about uh, on his podcast, when we won the, you know, the world championships, uh, I, I want to actually do want to touch on Chip's call in the 1995 uh, world championships uh, where, where we had, we had lost to the uh, New Zealanders in the heats. And we had, we had, we had an notoriously fast start in that boat. Uh, Chris Aaron's Ben Holbrook, myself, Scott Munn, and, and Pete Chipolone. And we we'd got up and and uh, these older uh, Kiwis uh, who were in the in the previous Olympics sort of had, had rode through us right at the at the kind of the last four hundred meters. And so we knew this going into the we we won the rapid pretty easily, and then going into the final, we knew that we'd get out fast. They'd come uh, back to us, and we'd have to go again. And so. Uh, so with 400 meters to go, you know, sure enough, they, they pull even to us and Chip goes, you know, you know, he, he preps the move and says, if you want to win, you got to go now. And I mean, if you look at the video, the boat just starts surging ahead and uh, we ended up winning by a length and it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. It was, uh, you know, that was one of the, as the, I still remember Mike Tatey's, uh pre-race speech and he's talking about, you know, this is your opportunity to become a world champion. You know, anything uh, else in your life, you know, they can take every, it all away from you, but, you know, they, they, but you'll always have on your tombstone Porter Collins world champion. And so, you know, my, and like, you know, steam's coming out of my ears and I, I'm just ready to go. And so by the time Ch Chip uh, makes the call in, in the last 400 meters of that race, you know, we were, we were, we were stomping on it pretty good. That was, uh, that was a fun one. I was about to ask you, what is your favorite Chip Alone call? You know, he he's had some uh, really good ones. He, in 1998, he had one uh, where, if you remember, 19 summer of well, half of you probably won't remember it, but in the summer of 1998, there was this uh, home run derby contest between McGuire, Sosa, and uh, I don't know, I forget the third one, but you know, we we had this big move, and I think it was kind of maybe it was 900 meters in, and. Uh, you know, he, he calls for the, this, like the, 
the Mark McGuire grand slam uh, move. And it was it's something we had, he, he just kind of thought off the cuff. And so, you know, they, there's a video going along and there's a bridge about call it six strokes into our 20 stroke move. And so it, it, the camera blocks out for, you know, three or four of the strokes. And so we're, we're call, call it even go, coming through the bridge of this stroke of this piece. And by the time that the, we pop out of the bridge, we're, we're like, you know, six seats up on him, moving out to, to uh, a length out. And so that was, that was a good one. And then in uh, the 99 world championships, the uh, it was a little skewed by the lanes and the wind, but you know, that we had got, we got, we had gotten up to a almost a length o- or a open water. Brits came all the way back and were leading us at 500 meters. And uh, you know, we kind of knew that we'd, we'd need to work on our, our sprint a little bit in the heat, which was fine. We'd won, but it was a little bit faulty. And uh, Chip made a, makes a big call and, you know, just the, the boat, you can see it in the video, just it, it, it surges. Uh, and it was like, we were trying to break the boat in, in half as, as, uh, as, as we went into the final 500. It was, it was great. That was a fun one. You realize that there's a power that, you know, Pete Chiplone had when he was with you all. Like he was, I would say, you know, a vital, a vital force on that team. And he even said he was one of the leaders on the team. He wasn't he was. the leader. He was one of them. And as a leader, right, you're, you try to teach your children, you know, how to be a leader and how to stand up for themselves and, and fight for what's right. You know, I, I've had, I've had some great coxswains in, in my career. You know, uh, Steve Segaloff was a, was the, the, um, the coxswain in 96. And, you know, he was, he was fantastic. And then Pete and, uh, Raj Shah was our, our, uh, coxswain in, um, at Brown and she, she ended up going on to be the women's coxswain in the, in the 2000 Olympics. So I, I was, I was blessed with some, some great coxswains, you know, there's, there's some, there's some great coxswain stories. If, if you're in of the, uh, Mike Tatey, uh, late nineties regime where, you know, Mike was sort of, uh, Mike was really himself and, uh, you know, he, he he used to, it was, it was so, you know, it was very entertaining for us as rowers that sort of, we, we, we got a, a good laugh when we, he would go after the coxswains up mostly for not steering straight, uh, which, you know, Pete was probably, he probably won the seat by just being the only coxswain could actually steer straight. But, um, and, and then, uh, you know, if you, yeah, I think he talked about it. if you were, if you were over cadence, you know, no matter if it was the strokes fault, the, the, the coxswain would get crushed for it. Uh, Chris Aaron's would never, you know, 20, at uh, 20 strokes a minute, he, Chris would always be at like 22 and, and, you know, Pete, Pete yelled at him <laughs> to get it down. Cause he knew he was going to get crushed, but uh, you know, Pete was, he was a great, he was just a great friend and, and um, he was, he was there for everybody. And, you know, he really understood, um, you know, what he could empathize with the, 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 the rower, even though he was not, you know, kind of going through the day-to-day training, of being, you know, dog tired or uh, mentally exhausted or whatever it was, you know, he could really empathize with the um, the rowers and and you know, so to be able to call on them when he thought he could, but not push them when you know they thought they're at the end of the rope or whatever. So, um, you know, Pete, Pete was a, an amazing coxswain, as as well as an amazing guy. Not not they're, they're the same thing. So you get to the Olympics and you're there and you wake up in the morning and it's as you say, it's time to get after it and you're on the line. I want to know what he was, te- what he was telling you. What was he telling you when you were on the, 
you know, as you're, as he's getting his bow straight and he's, you know, looking down the race course and looking over and whatnot, what were some of the things besides, you know, breathe or take a deep breath that you hear Cox and say, you know, I'm not going to remember the, the exact, uh, words, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, Pete's a very, uh, fun loving, affable guy. Uh, but he also has the, 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 the serious mode where he, where he gets on and it is, is very, you know, uh, serious Pete and, and uh, serious Pete always showed up in rain uh, race day. And, you know, obviously the, the, the Cox's number one, the job is to, you know, get the warm up done and show up on the the line on time. So, you know, the athletes aren't scrambling to, you know, be late or, you know, sit in the line too, too early um, and, you know, get, get, uh, get locked in. And so, you know, the, the, the Cox's job, you know, prior to the actual race is just to, just to execute, um, the easy stuff, right. Showing up on time, uh, not hitting anything. Um, and then, uh, and then obviously when you get on the, on the race courses to go straight and then make the calls when you need to make the calls. And, uh, you don't, you don't necessarily have to make them with the Pete chip alone type amazing calls or motivational calls, but just to, just to, you know, make sure you're have the crew in rhythm. You know, the one of the hardest things about the eight is you got to organize eight people, right. And organize the, the, uh, you know, the hands away together, the, all, all the, you know, all the stuff and, and, you know, just making those simple calls of, of how to improve the rowing a little bit or how to improve the synchronization. I think that's a sort of the big things about the coxswain and Pete sort of did all those, you know, he, he was tactical. He was, uh, you know, he was emotional w- w- with us, uh, and he, and he did all everything in between. So he, he was, he was great as well as the other coxes. I, you know, the really good ones I rode with. It's fantastic. And, and of course there's some bad coxes along the way too. So, which, which is equally funny and, and, uh, memorable, but, uh, you know, whether it's hitting a bridge or, uh, whatever. So it's, uh, all, all part of the sport. Getting a bridge is crazy for her. <laughs> that's crazy happens, happens all the time i know it's it happens. does you, you see clips of head of the charles and and coxons at you know the youth level youth college just you know it's like a it's like everyone's just colliding into another um it's like legos in a sense but uh so you're you're at the start line and you know you hear the the buzzer and, and it goes off and you know you're you're sending it down the race course uh your thoughts you hear the coxon's voice Sometimes you just, it, it goes on autopilot and you're just going, right? But you hear the voice. Um, was there something that you talked to yourself before the race about maybe thinking about or a uh, a motivation internally to kind of, you know, to send you into a different trance of, of uh, because uh, Chip alone talked about the fact when you're in a race, everything kind of goes on autopilot at a certain point. And so, you don't really even hear the coxswain for them. A lot of the times, is you hear it, but it, it kind of goes over your head. And well, I think, uh, that's, well, I think yeah. one of the things that, that I like to, to stress here is that you know the um, the race day the race day is just a culmination of everything else that's happened, right? That you you can't show up to race day and and expect to be a different person than you were in training, right? So you know whether it's you know work or 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 in, or in rowing, you know all the hard work is done before and all the preparation. And all the miles that you put in, you know, that, you know, uh, Scott Roop always would say, you know, miles make champions, right. And, you know, putting in those miles and putting in, um, you know, the, the drilling and all this type of eating right and working out and, and lifting weights and stretching, 
you know, all that preparation leads to uh, race day. And, and you know, all, all you have to do on race day, then if you've done the work is, uh, is execute, you know, like in, if you're fast, you know, like in, in, in rowing, you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, speed kills, right? If you, if you're, if you're fast, you know, like, you, you know, all you have to do is execute your race and uh, your, or your race plan. And, and you're just going to be hard to beat. Right. And, and um, you know, you can't expect miracles, especially in an eight on, on race day. Um, so. You can't expect miracles, but you hope to make one. <laughs> you hope to make one. That's uh, sure. You know, like, but if, you know, again, if you've, you know, these, you know, look, look at these, you know, the cow or, or, you know, these, these crews today, you know, like they're just faster than other people, right. They, they put it, they got bigger, faster, stronger guys. They put in the work and they're, they're just faster. And so like, you know, they, they, even in a bad race, sometimes that they, they can, they can still win. And so, uh, you know, look at the, you know, when we were at Brown, my, my, uh, my freshman year, we just, you know, we, we, we had more talent. We were, uh, uh, we definitely worked harder and we had more fun and we just beat everybody. And that, that was, that was the year where there wasn't a boathouse, a boat in the, in the entire boathouse that lost a race, whether it's heat final, whatever, um, you know, whether it's, you know, all the way from the, um, uh, from the head races all the way through to the, the IRA, we, every boat had won. It was crazy. Yeah. I was about to mention the fact that your freshman year, you, you, you think, and I believe as well is, undisputably the best freshman class in rowing history. Um, and that, that rowing class that you were a part of, um, it's amazing how all these different athletes can come from different programs around the world and all come together. And in less than one year, because you think about it, it's not really a full year, right? You're, you're there for a couple months in the fall, then you come back for after winter break and you're there for the spring. But all of you came together and, and, and made it work. And you just you found yourself with everybody else and everyone was feeding off of one another and you were just putting in the work and that really helped with the results. And well, I think uh, what Brown did in the early nineties and they were the first one to do it just, to, you know, we just worked harder than other people. Right. And, and but how though, you know, Scott Roop was a, uh, our coach was a world champion in the, in a lightweight single skull. And he was uh, just a scrappy, you know, lunch pail, hardworking guy. And, he got to where he was and he was actually Jamie's coach in the, in the world championships in the single. Um, he got to where he was because of hard work and, um, you know, Scott notoriously just, uh, put in more hours, put in more uh, strokes. And, you know, we were there, you know, always the last ones to leave the boathouse. We'd got, always got the dinner right as the, the dinner line closed. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was sort of that simple. That, that was, that was the, uh, you know, he, he won, he was freshman coach for three years and won three straight freshman, uh, uh, you know, undefeated seasons. I mean, I mean, they lost one race, uh, the year before I got there, but other than that, you know, he was, he wiped the floor with everybody. And, and again, it was just hard work. The year before us, he didn't have the talent that they had in, in Jamie's and Zeno's year or, or my year. But you know they still were still were uh, really good. Yeah, I mean you guys were un, un, unbelievable. And the fact that Mike Spratlin asked to join the national team after your sophomore year, Brown is un, is unbelievable as well. Because most most guys in their sophomore year of college, they're they're at U twenty threes, right? They're they're doing that, <laughs> but they're trying to bring you up to the national team, the big boys. And uh, 
I'm sure there were other athletes involved with your class that were going to U23s. Because I correct me if I'm wrong, those were around, right? They did have U23s, but you know, it was like everything back then. It was a little bit more. Uh, it wasn't as organized, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, the, the and the, the the thing about you know one of the reasons I was called up so early, I guess, is that you know that that you know we had you know we we were because we were training so hard. We we just our boathouse had all the fastest dirt times around. You know, I I had you know Jamie and myself and and uh, a couple other guys at Brown were the, were sort of the first college guys uh, around to break six minutes. Right? And that was I did it my my freshman year, but um, you know that, that just didn't happen at the time. And um, and so you know I, I always had a good erg score. And then when it came to uh, you know I had never really rode a pair, and I showed up to the the uh, um, uh, showed up to Mike, Mike Spracklin's, you know, training camp in, in, uh, San Diego. And, and I was just, you're forced to learn. Right. And, uh, and another guy who put in some tremendous hours of, of hard work. And you know, we, and when I lived out there in San Diego up to the 96 Olympics, you know, we'd, we'd rode three times a day. We'd rode in the morning at, uh, 11 o'clock, we would do just sort of steady state for an hour. And then come back and row again at, at uh, four thirty or whatever, and uh, you know that, that that's a long existence of of a full year of doing three days. It's just uh, a total grind, and uh, you know obviously an environment that I I thrived in. So, who taught you how to be competitive? Though was that is that just how you were raised? Did you were you raised in a competitive house or? You know, it, it's a good question. I th I think some of it is inherent in in who we are, but you know a lot of it can be learned too, right? And it's, you know, I like to say it's the, it's the discipline to be able to do that, to, to, to do the hard work when, you know, you don't really want to do the hard work. Right. And that's the discipline. And that's the discipline that can be uh, learned. Right. And, and, and eventually, you know, I got to a point, I think in, in, in my rowing career where I was, you know, in such good shape that, you know, even doing hard workouts wasn't all that bad. You know, and and I, you know, I had the, you know, the the capacity to do, you know, these crazy hard workouts, and you know, it, it wasn't like a, a death sentence. You know, sometimes, you know, if now if I got on the, uh, you know, the erg to do some of those workouts that that I I used to do, it'd be a complete death sentence. So, um, and, and and you know, the erg itself is is a torture machine, but uh, you know, I think if you once you get to a, a fitness level it's not really as bad of a, it's still a torture machine, but it's not as bad, I guess. My personal favorite scene was when you were, uh, had that entire, uh, <laughs> contraption on you and you were, and you were doing your 2k and the, the connection with your teammates was so strong. You could hear it and you could hear everyone pushing you and, you, and all of this yelling and, and even Tate, you know, patting your back at the end, telling you great job and all these different things. Uh, and even you even saw with Brian Volpenheim, I think it was indoor sprint or something that they were doing. Mike was cheering him on at the end and just, you know, slapped his shoulder, telling him good job. And you could just see Brian's face just all light up and whatnot. There's a power of of external motivation that we see in rowing, not always in other sports, but I really do think keeps everyone coming back to the boathouse every day. I, I mean, th there's the yes, but let's, let's not kid ourselves. We, we we were motivated by by a lot of fear of Mike Tatey and uh, you know a fear of Mike Spracklin out there to to not not let them down for, for whatever reason. I was good at those VO2 tests with you know the the snorkel tube tests and your 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 uh, nose 
pinched. Um, I was able to sort of drown out the noise of uh, and the fear of all that stuff. There was a another um, uh, speed order camp that we went to when when I was in college and Mike was first on the national team, and uh, you showed up and had to do a, a 6K and then went out and rode and did seat racing. But for the 6K, I got on the machine. And I was next to all the good guys and and halfway through my my 6k the 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 monitor started blinking and i wasn't sure if it was recording everything and it would kind of go in and out for you know two three four minutes at a time and the coxswain's waving his hand and for mike to come over and uh, mike tells him to shut the fuck up and you know i, I just I, I just kind of kept rowing and uh i finished the piece and i was like oh man i, I hope this shows up and so mike goes over hits the thing and Sure enough, the time pops up and uh, Mike's like, see, that's how you fucking do it. You don't fuck. He, did he fucking freak out? He didn't freak out. He just fucking kept rowing. And so, you know, it, it's the, uh, you know, the, the fear of Mike Tatey was was always, uh, always around. And, you know, too bad that, you know, the world's gone a little bit woke and, and uh, or a lot woke, maybe, I guess, in terms of uh, motivation of, of rowers no, it's, and everybody. It's it's pathetic. So, it's pathetic. Uh, rowing is a hard sport, and uh, you know if you if you want uh, you know good results, you got to have hardened hardened rowers. So and hardened it, athletes. It sucks though because there's a difficulty that I see because I'm coaching juniors now, and there's so many things that you can't. Or not, I won't say you can't do because you can do anything, but there are so many things that like parents parents are. I would say parents are probably one of the worst things in junior rowing because. All they do, they have no idea what the sport is like, but they have so much input. <laughs> they have so much to say. And it's like, I'm here to coach your son or daughter to be a better athlete every day. And um, yes, your 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 advice means a lot to me so I can, you know, be a better coach. But it's not because of, of me. It's about you're trying to tell me how to do, you know, my job, which is not really the best, uh, the best way to do it. And you said you had fear of Mike Tatey. That's been something that I want to dive into a little bit in this episode, but I, I definitely want to talk about the fact that parents, because you're, you're a dad, you're, you're coaching your son. There's some parents in the, uh, that, that their children are, are, are mortified by their, uh, their parent, and they're scared of not being able to go to these great schools that their parent is telling them, you have to do this, you have to get this erg score, you have to be this fast. And it's like, first off, you're not doing it. Second of all, I know I have to be faster. Third of all, it's I don't need you to keep on pestering me about this when I have my coach doing it to me every day at practice. So it's sometimes there's there's these people that are just keep on nagging you all the time, and uh, I don't believe all the time it's it's a, it's pretty important to do that to a, a you know someone who's maturing and you know their brain not even half developed yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, I, I you know I also had great role models in terms of my, my parents, you know, my, my, uh, both my mother and father were, were extremely hardworking people. And, and, uh, uh, my, my mother's definitely dogged. Uh, and you know, I, I, some, you know, some sense of fear of both of them. And so, you know, whether it's your parents, whether it's God, whether it's your coach, whether whatever, you know, the, 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 the fear is a real motivator and, uh, you know, not, not to fail. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, maybe it, that's the, the, the jump start, And, and then as confidence builds and as success builds, you know, like, Hey, I'm pretty good at this and I, I can do this. And I want to keep, I want to, you know, it's a natural progression to see, Hey, let's see how far I can take this, you know? And then I think the really good ones are able to push it. And then when they, when they, when they 
fail or hit roadblocks or or hit a hard coach or whatever it is, they're able to not only you know thrive through that, but really accelerate and and grow from from all that. And um, you know, so uh, uh, that's what I found. There's a power of a coach to keep you on your feet every day, and uh, there's also a level of respect that a coach can teach you about when you show up to the boathouse. You can't you can't be showing up to the boathouse, you know, looking like you just rolled out of bed. Granted, there's been rowers that do that, and they're great athletes. And they can, you know, that they they can switch their mentality right there when they get in the boat. I had this coach in uh, in high school named John Lindbergh, and John was a he was a brown rower, and he was a uh, actually played uh, after high school. I think he played semi pro hockey for a couple of years, and so he was a he was a real tough guy. And so, uh, he, you know, I'm going off to the junior team camp, and uh, he's like Porter, I want you to show up in the crappiest you know, rowing shorts, the crappiest t-shirt you, 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 you have. And the first day you, you show up, you get in the boat and they're like, who's this guy? And you go up and you beat the absolute living shit out of them. He goes, you, you know, you, 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 very low expectations. You know, you don't, you don't want to put in the, the, you know, the flashy unisuit and, you know, cause the, cause then people are gonna have expectations of who's this guy. Right. And so, you know, if, if, if you show up and, and they, they, they don't know you're coming and you come and hit them as hard as they can, they're, they're going to be like, wow, who's this guy that shows up with, you know, the, you know, ratty t-shirt is, is kicking the crap out of me right now. So, uh, yeah, coaches, they, 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 you know, I, I've been blessed throughout my life and, and, you know, have all these coaches and have had these wonderful experiences that all, all taught me a lot along the way. You know, I could easily be angry at, Mike for, you know, probably screwing up the, the 2000 Olympic regime as, as badly as he did, but I love him. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've taken so much from him and so much from his teachings that, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I owe him, uh, a lot and a lot of gratitude, uh, as well as a lot of the other coaches that, that have coached me along the way. So, so you're not stubborn about it. You're not stubborn about what happened. Cause I mean, <laughs> there's people out there that wonder like, the 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 therapy that you must have gone through <laughs> after that Olympics. I think the only thing that really kind of hurt me a little bit was when they won four years later. <laughs> like, ah, oh, come on, guys. Uh, so that that was the like. Other than that, you know, like I don't know, it's just life. You you move on, and and you know, I I was I had my my eyes set on a on a you know career after that. You you got to remember that like, you know, none of us are going professional in rowing, right? And this is all just, you know, if we're lucky enough to get into these fantastic universities and get fantastic education through the sport of rowing, like it's a win. And so I, I considered it, you know, a win for me getting into Brown University and then, you know, making a making these amazing friends along the way at, at university who are still, you know, uh, you know, some of my best friends in life. And then, you know, the guys on the national team, um, or some of my best friends in life. And so look at all the sport had given me. And for me to say that, you know, yeah, I, I lost one race. Yeah. Maybe it was a big race, but, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't, it's not, it's not the right, not right way, right way to look at it. So that's, that's how I think about it. And, and listen, I have three world championship gold medals. Yeah. You know, I guess it's that that's, that's a heck of a consolation prize. We're talking about the fear of Tady. There's a section I want to input in this episode about the fear because people always talk about how he's this, how he's that, 
if you could just talk a little bit more about him. I, for some reason, I, I think it's easier to tell through stories. There, there was a, uh, you know, I, I had taken the 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 ninety six or ninety seven World Championships off because I had I had rode a lot up until uh, ninety six and rode, obviously rode three times a day, and then came back. To, then you know the Olympics were over and and kind of went right back into school and Brown and um, I was just I was sort of tired and. and uh, needed a little bit of break from, from rowing and and actually wanted to get some real world experience. And so I went and worked for, worked in New York City for the summer and then came back in, in 1998 for the for the camp. And I was clearly probably one of the, the, the best guys there. But, you know, Mike Tatey really wanted to, you know, make it known that he was in control and, and he was ruling things. And so I had, uh, I had, I had, gone to Mike and I said, Mike, you know, I'm, I'm going to come to camp, but you know, the, the first week we get there, it's like my grandmother's 90th birthday or what I forget where it was. And so I was going away for the weekend. And so I, I go away for my gra- grandmother's 90th birthday and come back and it's like Sunday night and we show up and he's like, all right, we're fucking seat racing. And he switched me with like every guy in the program for, for 10 races. And, uh, and he goes, Sea Porter, you won't go away your fucking grandmother's birthday next time. <laughs> and so, you know, you're person and well. So, anyways, there, there are all these great stories along the way that you know, I, I, I don't even, you know, the fear of Mike Tatey was real, and uh, you know, I don't think that stuff happens anymore today. But uh, you know, I, 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 in a weird way, I, in a sick way, I probably enjoyed it. So, whatever. Any more stories? I. <laughs> oh, there, there's, there's millions of stories. I, I'm gonna. I, you, you share know, a couple the, more. I'll ask a couple uh, more. No, that, that, that's. Uh, if they come up to me, I'll, I'll share them along the way. But they're, they're, they're pretty good. Like, the, 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 the more fun stories for me was when I wasn't the personal uh, end of it, uh, where he, he would, you know, if he was crushing a coxswain, uh, or a lightweight, or a guy who, you know, in, in the three and pause drill would, would go, you know, four and pause. You know, he would absolutely, you know, that I, there's nothing worse than if you're in, in, you know, watch Mike would do three and he would do a lot of pause drills. And so, you know, you do one and pause, two and pause, three and pause. And then inevitably someone would fuck it up and he'd pull the boat, you know, the, the launch right up to the boat and, and just be in your ear. Uh, those are, those are some good, uh, those are some good ones. He's got in the face of, of certain athletes. They show up to the practice and like, it's the fucking Olympic year. <laughs> like, it only happens one time every four years and you're showing up and it's just like i blocked out some of those memories or probably a lot of those memories but it's uh they're all i guess the i the only the only runs i remember are the good ones at this point so uh, <laughs> probably better that way because his pre-race talks chip talk about like if it doesn't go well just keep going north or something like that <laughs> Yeah, that that was. I think that was the one where where uh, they went to the head of Charles, and like if you if 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 you don't win, just keep keep rowing north. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just, I think it's just that generation that he was a part of just had this this energy. And just, they just had no care in the world. They just said whatever they felt, and they were very impulsive. But they just said it, and uh, a lot of people related to it, or they didn't relate to it. You know. Yeah, the the guys who did well under the Mike Tatey uh, program. You know they they complain, but they but they uh, they don't really have any bad uh, things to say about them. You know the guys that they got cut or sucked at rowing, uh, you know, are always the like the Greg Ruckmans of the world that that, that hated him, right? And 
you know, that, 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 that shocker, that's what happened. Right. So yeah, I think Greg Rockman still has lawsuits against him and us rowing or whatever. I forget the whole story, but I would say something that really inspired me about you is that you are a man of God and you use that in your, your life to keep you going. And, um, I think that talking about God is a very important part of my life and how I was raised and, and things like that. And I believe that in the documentary, your teammates had touched on the fact of how close you are to God. And I, I definitely want to touch on that. I think it's an important part of who you are. Yeah, I would say uh, religion and religious studies were a big part of, you know, who I was as a, uh, as a kid and, and um, you know, uh, you know, I can't say I'm I'm the most devout and religious person in the world, but you know, God has definitely played a, a big role throughout my life and and um, you know, asking big questions, whether it's you know, asking big questions to myself or to God or you know, what whatever it might be, you know, always looking for the extra motivation along the way. Um, especially when when things are down, right? When 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 things go against you. And you inevitably lose races or go through tough times, you know, you need to dig down and, 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 you know, find whatever support you need to springboard yourself to the next level. Right. And you got to use, be able to use those tough times as motivation, as, as reflection, uh, you know, for, for better times ahead. Otherwise, you know, what are, what are we all doing around here? Right. So I, I can I'm not going to wallow in misery, you know. I'm going to try to look for inspiration in any way I can find it, and so uh, that's that's the way I think about it. One of the greatest things about being a man is, and one of the most important thing in life as a man is to be a good father. And what are some of the things that you teach your your son? Uh, it's it's been you know fun for me. I, I sort of aside from the uh, annual head of the Charles racing, uh, I'd sort of given up the the sport um, and, you know, I had work and family and all sorts of stuff that people will figure out that takes, uh, takes a lot of your time away. Uh, you know, you, you, when I was rowing on the national team and, and everything, you know, all you had to worry about was yourself and getting down to the boathouse. Now, you know, you have to worry about, you know, the kids, wife, yourself, job, a lot of stuff gets in the way. And so I, I didn't really row for uh, the better part of 20 plus years. And, and my son's now uh, in high school and, and I get to, you know, get to row with him, um, get to teach him. And I think uh, a lot of it's just leading by example, um, you know, doing things the right way, you know, you know, obviously help motivating him to, um, you know, in, in everyday life and in, in school and, and, you know, make sure to just to, you know, trust the process of, of growing up because, you know, things can be very uh, volatile as a, as a uh, teenager and a lot of emotions going through. And, but, you know, you, you just kind of have to trust the process that you are doing the right things. You're doing your homework, you're doing, you know, your workouts and, and, you know, good things happen to those who to do the right steps. And so that's, uh, that's sort of all, all, that's what I try to do at least. The greatest challenges offer the greatest rewards and how we meet that reveals the truth in all of us. Yeah. And <laughs> that completely opened my eyes. You know, it was a poster that hung above my bed for years. You know, I think I, I, I always explored 
the question when I was a kid of who am I, right? And who, who do I want to be? And what, what am I become? Because you're sitting there at, you know, 18, 19, you know, 20, 16 years, I don't know, whatever the age that is of, of your maturation, you're, you're trying to understand where's my place in this world? What am I doing? Where am I going? And, you know, I, I think that I was lucky that I I had that determination, right? And, and that determination through my rowing career. And then once that rowing career was was finished, I didn't say like, wow, look how great I am. You know, I said, okay, well, what's next? You know, there's another chapter in in this in this game, and yeah, yes, fueled by the sport, I gotta I gotta finance myself, I gotta I gotta you know feed myself, and so you know it was a natural extension of what I'm gonna do, and and part of that was always in the back of my brain while I was rowing. You know, I think that again, I go back to you know what helped me be so successful in in the working world was those same lessons that I that I applied from rowing, um, and just that sort of dog determination that I was going to succeed no matter what. Right. And there was only one way to do it. And you know, I'd seen the, the blueprint, right. The blueprint was right in front of me and I I'd lived it. You know, I just had to transfer that blue, blueprint into a, into a next career in life. And so I feel pretty lucky that I've, I've done that. And, you know, to, and then, and sort of then to, I don't know, cap it off with the fact that they, they made a movie of, of what we did. Uh, I don't know. I just sort of very blessed and lucky to, I don't even know how I walked into that one, but, um, you know, pretty neat. One of the questions in the Q&A was thoughts on having the camera crew follow you guys to the Olympic selection in 2000. So, yeah. I think at the time, you don't really even think about it. You know, they're, they're there, but it's just sort of just noise. You know, you think about it like the, you know, the today's professional athlete has, you know, cameras on them 24 seven. You just hope you're not try to say as many stupid things as you can possibly, uh, you know, say. So, um, thankfully that a lot of that's got cut, but you know, when you go back and you, you, you see stuff in there, you're like, Oh, geez. You know? But, uh, yeah. Was it hard to, to keep yourself afloat when you were on the national team, like financially, you know, the, the, listen, I, I'm very blessed. My, my, I grew up and my, my parents were, you know, had money. And so I was able to, uh, do that. But, you know, one, one of the things I tell about my, my mother, she, uh, I graduated from college and, uh, you know, she goes to me, Porter, congratulations. You know, I said, okay, great. And she goes, you know, you're, you're now on your own. You're no, no longer any support from, from your mom and dad. And so, um, you know, at the time I was like, ah, oh, what the hell, you know? Uh, but you know, it was one of the best things that you know, my, my, my mother could have ever done in that, you know, okay, let's go, you know, time, time, you know, like, she, she's right. You know, I, I'm not going to be babied by anything. And, and, and so, you know, I, I worked after college, you know, I, I always worked uh, while I was wrong as well. And, um, you know, was motivated by that and, and, you know, to be able to at least put food on the table and pay the rent and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it, uh, you know, the, the rowing stipends are, are not going to cover itself, nor should they, like, it's not a, rowing is not a, it's not a uh, spectator sport. There's not a lot of money in it. It's a self-satisfaction sport. And and for the few people that like us that really love it, you know, that, that's about it. And, you know, it's not going to draw the big money to, you know, to say, I'm going to row and, and do nothing else. And so, of course, you're going to have to support yourself. It's sort of obvious. And may, that might not be the case in, in, in Europe, but who cares? That's not, that's not where we live, right? There, there's... Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's too many, too much other sports that, that, you know, in, in, 
you know, the NIL money in, in, uh, in college, maybe it finds rowing. I, I doubt it. It, it, you know, it will, uh, but not to the same extent that it, it does other places. So, um, yeah. I, I, think- I lived it, I lived it and I, I was, you know, I was in the Olympic team as a, you know, after my sophomore year in, in college, you know, none of it ever found me. There was, you know, there's no money there. So, yeah. I know that Chip talked about some of the guys wanted to be models. They got paid from that. Uh, I don't know if you were involved in that or whatnot. Uh, that's uh, Ben Holbrook, uh, Jamie Coven, Jim Neal. Uh, I think Josh Crosby was, uh, Josh Crosby of Apple uh, Fitness was also in that too, I think. Uh, but yeah, good for them. Like that's there should be more rolling sponsorship because it, it does give off uh, unbelievable meaning of what the sport you know uh, symbolizes. But sure. you know it, it hasn't commercially appeared yet, so we'll, we'll, hopefully it'll happen one day. Yeah, the movie's coming out on Christmas Day. Are you excited about that? I think it's gonna probably change the sport more than people think it will. How? In the United States, um, you know, having been part of uh, the big short and, and process and, you know, the movie was owned by Brad Pitt. I don't think people appreciate the amount of dollars that go into uh, the advertising campaign that go into, you know, how big mainstream media is. And, you know, this is this is a um, uh, Clooney movie, right? Yeah. Uh, George Clooney. And listen, he's a big time director they, these movies do not fail. There's, there is, uh, you know, too much money behind it to, to, to let it fail. And so I think the movie will be bigger than people think it is. I think it's going to bring more people to the sport and that's going to, you think so too, or no? It, it has to. Yeah. It has to. I mean, it just look to. at the, look at, look at the, how many people have come up to me? Oh, you read boys in the boat. You know, you know, the amount of people that read, uh, that um, watch movies over books is like, you know, a thousand X, you know, I, I can count on, on my hand, the number of people who read the big short, but the people have watched the movie, you know, everybody. Yeah. It's like Harry Potter. Like everyone knows Harry Potter, Star Wars, like those big, those big, you know, series and whatnot. And uh, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of both of them, but anyways, um, no, no, no one read first blood, but they all watched Rambo, you know? So uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, last couple of questions here. Um, I know you have lots of things to do. If there's a, if there's something that you have to say to people out there who are struggling to, you know, get a faster erg or to make it to the next level, any type of things that you wish you would have known back in the day or have told yourself. I guess I'm consistent. There's no magic potion to get faster on the erg or getting a better rower. It's just hard work, you know, and it's up to you to do it. You know, it's up to you to, to, you know, get up early when you don't, when you, when you can sleep in or, you know, maybe not go out as late at night as you want to, or, you know, in high school or, you know, not, not drink when everyone else is drinking. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a really a, a sip of alcohol until college. You know, I was a very, and then even when I was growing in the national team, I, I talk about it. It was a very monastic type lifestyle. You know, we, we, you know, we didn't party, you know, it was, it's a lot of work. You know, if you want to, if you want to do that, great, you're going to succeed. If you don't want to do that, you know, like find something else. Right. And it, it's sort of that, that simple. And it, if you want to put in the hard work, the hard, the, the results will, will, will show. Certainly. And there's a, I, you know, my, my son, my son had, he'd gone to a qualification regatta junior national championships trials. Or, yeah. And yeah. And he was a freshman in high school last year and he was in the single and, and, you know, he'd lost a, a couple guys and, 
you know, he was motivated to get better, right? And so sure enough, he put in the hard work, trained, and comes back this year and and beat all the guys that had beat him last last spring. And and sort of occurred to him, it's like, hey, you know, work hard equals results. And you know, the the, the light bulb goes off that I can do this. And the same thing happened to me. And and uh, you know, it's a little bit harder, I guess, in in a um, in an eight uh, man to see the or eight person boat to see those results. But if you get those training partners and if you get those teammates and you bring them along and you're a leader and and you you sort of you know get that you know atmosphere where hey we got we got the ball rolling in the right direction and we can do things and and um, you know we can we can really change the speed we're in and we work hard you know, like, I think it works, right? Uh, there's a little bit of a new th- technique now where they're essentially almost like a gather at the finish and they're staying there. I don't understand that, but that's just me. I think that doesn't make, it actually doesn't make any intuitive sense to me at all, but uh, that's what it's whatever. Which part of the rowing stroke do you think is the most important? Well, in the AP, obviously it's the catch, but I, I don't understand the, 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 the super serious pause at the finish. I've, we, I've always always started to get the, the hands out when you can and then float on the recovery, not not right. the pause here, rush up to the, the catch, but uh, whatever it is. I'm, what do I know? <laughs> you know a lot, though. So there's a, another thing, too. Anyone that's interested in being in stocks, obviously the economy is dog shit. No offense to anybody out there, but it's dog shit now. I um, mean, hopefully it'll get better. What type of things do you like about it? My fascination with it uh, early on was was just the instant feedback it sadly it reminded myself of an erg that you know the the um you know you you would get the the scoreboard every day right in, right in front of you um unlike rowing the 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 harder the the output the harder the 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 work sometimes the the, the results don't show it, it obviously is more of a, a thinking person's game uh but i i just got enamored with the the um the markets and and the nonstop uh, constant nature of it it's very fits my personality very well um and you know i'm i'm too nice of a guy to uh do private equity and negotiate deals and you know with with, with at least with trading stocks the the the, the price i want to pay is right in front of the screen I'm, i can't haggle with it if i don't like it don't buy it if i, if I like it i buy it so that that's <laughs> as simple as that that's great athletes are are getting crazy fast like crazy fast you talked about cows eight that all those guys are like they can take they, they have so much depth on their program like that they can take guys from the 2v and, and make it into a 1v that you know other programs they're competing against are are you know are at so i don't think that's new necessarily i mean i think just different programs have different you know waves of strength you know like we're you know, Yale looked like they were unbeatable five or six years ago. You know, Brown looked like they were unbeatable in, uh, you know, the, the late nineties, you know, Princeton, you know, has looked unbeatable at, at times, you know, um, so, you know, all these programs go through ebbs and flows of, of, um, of success. You know, I, I think that if I was a young kid, I would really look to see, you know, which coach inspires me, right. Who, who are the, who, you know, whether you're on the women's or men's program, who, which coach is going to make me a better person. And, you know, I think, you know, obviously looking around of seeing the people on the team, you know, do I fit in with these people? Are, are, are they like-minded with me? Um, you know, that helps. And then, you know, it's, it, in some ways we're all just lucky that get into a, a fantastic um, school like the, like the 
you know, the whole rowing universe has these amazing universities. So I think it's a real ticket. Uh, I think it's um, and a real gift to, to be able to do it. I would say in the late 90s, we had in just this unbelievable group of pe- talent out there. You know, sadly, we didn't win as many medals as we, we should have. But, you know, sometimes you just get a group of people of exceptional athletes, exceptional leaders, and that really take it to the next level. And uh, I think that ebbs and flows and times can change quickly, right? You, if you are that person and you bring in that, that you know, the, those other athletes with you, you know, you can flip the script pretty quickly in terms of going from a really bad program to a good program quickly. Look what happened to Brown. They were terrible. And then, you know, Jamie, Jamie Coben and Zeno Mueller show up and, and all of a sudden they're unbeatable. You know, same thing with Chris Aarons and Marty Crotty. Same thing. They went from bad to unbelievable. Unreal. There's a, uh, someone, I think Casey Yavenick, he's the coach at Sarasota. He told me, he goes, he had asked one of the Michael Callahan, uh, one of his athletes that was, you know, undefeated and, and did some great things. And he'd asked when he, when he met the the athlete, he, uh, Casey asked him, he said, he said, you know, what did you get out of it? And the guy just was like, it was okay. Like there, it was just okay. There wasn't anything about it, but I'm curious to know if you, what was, o- what, sorry, what was okay? Just rowing, yeah. uh, rowing at a high level. There was this, he just felt like it was, it was just okay. Rowing is, a, it, it's a gift, right? It's a, it's a gift for young kids. It's a gift, gift for old people like myself these days to, you know, stay fit and stay healthy. It's, you know, it's a good sport for the mind. And, you know, people talk about, you know, sports you can do your whole life. Rowing, rowing, you can, right? You're not going to be able to play football your whole life. And, you know, I feel blessed that I'm, approaching 50 years old and, and, um, uh, super fit, healthy and, and, uh, you know, feel good about life. That's great. Well, Porter, it was a blessing to have you on today. Appreciate you for taking the time out of day to talk to me and being on the show. I hope to have you on down the line when, uh, when things get a little bit better, maybe I have my own studio or whatnot. Um, but been a great, great time talking. Thank you so much. Well, I love it and uh, appreciate your tenacity and uh, shows you're going to be a pretty successful coxswain in the future. So good stuff. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good one.